welcome to Defend, episode number 72. This is Vijay from Holland, still in Holland. Um, Raymond from Belgium. And we have a special guest today as well. Yeah, please go ahead. Introduce yourself. Oh, Mr. I'm uh, Chris from Phoenix. Er, uh, Chris the, from the Phoenix. US, <laughs> the US, Arizona. I don't know. <laughs> it's a, it's like you're the only, only... fucking names, you know? I didn't no, use my full name in fairness. Yeah, neither did yeah. you. Okay, come on, Chris. Give you you've got, because you're the new unknown one. You've got to give your full name. Okay, uh, Chris Badahta. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah. I think AKA you're DJ saying... Blue. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and so you're wearing blue as well. Actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Blue's my favorite color, so you, oh, you can okay. you can guess as to why that's the name. <laughs> and are you a DJ? No, I wish I was musically gifted. I'm not. <laughs> So does DJ but mean You don't need to else? be musically gifted to become DJ, you know? <laughs> oh! Is this, oh yeah, it's just bullshitting anyway, you know? <laughs> is no. the DJ thing that you keep rotating the disc and then yeah. you know, make weird cat noises? <laughs> yeah, like that. Oh, you have a no, DJ was, in the house. <laughs> it's, a, it's a name I came up with when I was younger, when I was like playing a game and it was like you have to come up with a username. I'm like, uh, then there's like the initials of the game and then my favorite color. I'm like, this is good. And it's just stuck with me for just years and right. years and years and years. So it's one of those things. <laughs> but anyway, but I, mean, I, I like I like how you introduce yourself, like as if you're the only Chris from Phoenix, you know, nope, like exactly. I'm Chris from Phoenix. You just go to Phoenix and then ask, where, where is Chris? And they, they point to you, you know, it doesn't matter where yeah. they are. So yeah, it's, I know you're it's, you're very it's, popular there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Guaranteed no collisions. If you look up that in this area, just no other ones. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let let's try to narrow it down a little bit, a little bit more. Okay. So so what what are you up to in the closure world, or maybe you know in programming world? So a little oh, bit of um, a bio, you know. Well, I can talk about my like journey to closure. I think that's yes, um, yeah. So actually, the my at way least to you know the questions better than we do, Chris. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, <laughs> I've listened to a few episodes. The, the way it goes, yeah. I mean, you know, there's VJ beating around the bush a little bit there. <laughs> but okay, yeah, Chris, answer the quite correct question that you found out. <laughs> I, I, I'm glad you are, you have the checklist. You know, you're just going to go through it yourself, so we don't need to do anything here. Yeah, exactly. What, the, what is the point of us now? <laughs> we just say random things and. And then you pick out the question that you want to answer, okay, Chris? Well, I, you guys don't get to monopolize random things, okay? I get to say random things too. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, yeah, I I, uh, I came to closure by way of uh, uh, Scheme SICP. Like, right, I found okay. those MIT videos, yeah, um, yeah, and I loved them. And I was like, oh, this is so good. Because I mean, before that, I had done like a ton of JavaScript, and I was like, JavaScript is nice. I liked. Uh, a lot of the things you could do with it is very expressive. Mm -hmm. It had like yeah. object literals, which I think that is the killer feature in JavaScript is you can just write yeah, the data yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I was like, Scheme is really cool. And I implemented like an interpreter and all that stuff. But I was like, okay, now how do I build web apps with this? Because I need to, you know, I need to actually build <laughs> stuff that people can use. And I was like, I was looking for a, you know, a version of Scheme that could run the browser. And I was like, oh, there's Clojure Script. Okay. And then I went down that rabbit hole and, and here I am. Right. Ooh. right. Full, full Clojure convert. Usually, this is a bit, uh, this is a bit, well, I wouldn't say unusual, but this is probably the new, new age Clojure entry point, I would say, right? Because back in the day, I think 10, 15 years ago. When you say new ago, age, do you mean like, you know, the kind of hippie? Because I think, or do you mean like, because he's young? Both. 
Okay. <laughs> it doesn't look like a hippie it's, to me. Well, yeah. it's not. Are you self-describing yourself as a hippie, Chris? I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't know hippie. what that means or what you mean by that, but. <laughs> well, usually it's all I flower power, peace. flower power, okay. love, peace, smoking the dope or tripping on acid, you know, kind of stuff. No, like that. I don't subscribe to all those things, but I subscribe okay. to some of those things. You peace know. is good. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, I'm. I'm. I meant new age would Make mean love, young not and war. hip, not hippie. <laughs> yeah. So without the p, only hip. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, back to back to my. Where like was the latte yeah. drinking coffee kind of people. Exactly. You know, like the big beard and then you know, like the right. Well, that's hip, that hipster, I guess. Hipster. All oh, oh, right. Okay. Oh, yeah, oh, the hipster yeah. thing. I'm not cool yeah. enough to be hipster. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, after after this episode, you know, once we publish this, you know, you'll you'll be there. Um, but anyway, what I meant is that I think most of the people, or, or some of the people, initially, the entry point to closure was via Java and then you know server yeah. side stuff, right? So for you, it's a bit of a the the. You are coming from the front end. Yeah. Or are you coming from closed script world? Yeah, I came from like JavaScript on the client and the server. Like I did Node and I really liked Node. Uh, and mm. I was like, you know, um, you know, found closure script, got really into it. And then actually, I used to hate Java and the JVM. I still hate Java, um, <laughs> but I love the JVM. Like it's, well, it's, it's so nice, especially paired with uh, closure. Mm. It's such a nice runtime <laughs> to, to work yeah, in. Yeah. And I think the tooling for it is probably the best of all the like closure dialects. The JVM mm. one has got the most, you know, support. Mm. Mm. So yeah, it's really yeah. nice. And and the because the journey is via JavaScript, did you try? Uh, I saw that you worked on uh, what was the Backbone uh, some time ago, or that you ported from Backbone to something else, right? Or yeah, yeah, you... no. So at my last job, um, we we were like going from. Backbone JS Marionette to React, and that was another thing too that I really liked about Closure Script is that interop with React was just seamless. Like I mm. watched all the David Nolan talks mm-hmm. um, about how Closure or React is better in Closure Script, and it, it really is. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's so nice to just be able to be like, hey, take especially paired with like something like Hiccup. It's just like mm. data mm-hmm. maps in vectors out. It's, yeah, yeah, and you don't have to worry about. Um, how to get that change into the DOM, and I think that's the that was always the hard part. Is like especially because you don't yeah. you, have, you don't know what state you're in, you don't and you have to figure out how to get from where you are to where you want to be. And there's so many edges. If you think about a graph and nodes, there's way more edges than there are nodes a lot of times. So it's like in React land, you just focus on the nodes. You yeah, forget about yeah. the edges because React does all the edges for you, and it's like an order of magnitude less work. Yeah, <laughs> something like sure. React. But did you try some other flavors of JavaScript? Like uh, because uh, I, I remember when I was writing JavaScript, when Backbone was a big deal, um, I think it was CoffeeScript because Backbone was written in CoffeeScript. So, or, or it, um, I never got into CoffeeScript. I mean, it looked yeah. interesting, um, but no, yeah, I started with just like vanilla JavaScript, and okay. and I went to like something like jQuery in terms of like UI frameworks. But yeah, I, yeah. I, in terms of languages, it was pretty much just JavaScript all the way. And even then, I, I kind of liked ES5 for even when people were getting into ES6. I'm just like, oh, there's more stuff now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But the style of JavaScript I tended to write was just like functions that mm. took in maps and returned maps. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, and, and honestly, that's what I ended up doing even after I learned uh, ClojureScript. And I, I still had to work in JavaScript as I was like, I want to, I'm going to bring all the good parts from ClojureScript into Javascript. Okay, Immutable.js. Okay, yeah. you know, Redux with that being like our Atom. And it was just like, keep it 
functions and data, please. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So you're writing Closure script in JavaScript before yep. even yeah. coming to Closure script anyway. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> But how complex are are your applications? Because usually Closure script, uh, you know, it. I mean, it's it's used for not just like websites or sprinkling here and there, you know, like a animations and DHTML shit, you know. So mm. how how big is the is the code base? So what kind of applications are you building with it? Um, so it, it depends. Like some like my like personal projects are like a couple hundred lines, and um, but like it works, you know, a couple thousand lines, mm-hmm. like twenty thirty. So I don't. I that's not a good proxy for like the complexity. But yeah, there's a lot of interactivity yeah, yeah, yeah. in a lot of these. Like they're like Googleish style things with result viewers and things like that. Those are the types no. of apps. Um, okay. That I was working on, at least with JavaScript. Yeah, yeah. But and, yeah, and, and what is your what is your preferred stack in ClojureScript? Um, I, I don't know if I have a, a preferred stack. Like anything, I, I'll work in whatever as long as it's like primarily just data driven. Because uh, I've yeah. used Reagent. Um, that that's a really nice like feels very closurey. Uh, there's another library that uh, I use at work called Helix. Uh, which mm-hmm. is kind of a very it's 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 less of a wrapper or well actually no it's 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 exposing React directly I would say that's how I describe Helix but yeah okay uh, but yeah as long as you keep your application da- I think you guys talked about this in the last episode like data oriented that's where I yep. want to be I, I don't really care what the underlying technology is as long as you keep it data oriented I'll be happy right you can use any HTTP server it's all the same stuff it's all maps you can use any serialization you can use transit or Eden or whatever but please just stay in data <laughs> do you use like a client-side router um, something like um, you know secretary like, or what is it like Reddit yeah. or yeah um, I think it oh. At Content. work, we just use React Router, um, okay. just because it's like we, uh, Helix gives you like a really easy path to using all the JavaScript libraries. So, um, but yeah, uh, for like my personal projects, they tend to be like w- single pages, like without a, a, a bunch of different places to go to. So, I tend not to bring in routing and just like hmm. here's the page, and then there's state on the page. <laughs> yeah. So you don't need deep linking or stuff like that in your yeah, yeah. application usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So, in in terms of because you came from JavaScript, you're building fairly complex stuff in JavaScript already, right? And so, what do you miss from JavaScript? I mean, it's it's kind of a, probably nothing, but still, is, is there something when you're writing closure script applications? Oh, this shit has been you know much easier in JavaScript. So I think the thing that was easier, and this was towards the end of my JavaScript stuff, was the introduction of async await. Mm-hmm. Um, with with closure script, I think there's people who have implemented like uh, compiler extensions that introduce it. Um, mm-hmm. But or you can bring in core async, but that's that, that's like you can't interrupt with other people. And there are like promise extensions to core async now, but it's like it's not as um, well supported, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, async await, just direct Wait. async await support. What about something like uh, promise a? There is a promise uh, library which integrates with async await. No, yeah, yeah, but I mean just like as part of the language itself. You're oh, right yeah, though. Yeah, there yeah. are yeah, yeah, there's there's plenty of ways to fix this in the user space. I'm just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I would like to have less dependency sometimes. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. What is what is async await for people like uh, like me who are javascript um, illiterates? Okay, uh, I can I can walk you through it. Uh, yeah, sure. So 
it's like in JavaScript, you only have one thread. So when you need to do yeah. things that take a long, well, not even take a long time, but that are semantically blocking like IO that they take, hmm. you know, on the order of hundreds of milliseconds. I don't know. Uh, you don't want to yeah. be consuming the entire thread for that. So you say, okay, pause here. Um, uh, and then when you're when you're done with that, resume. And so normally in JavaScript, people do that via call, uh, callbacks, right? And yeah. then people got sick of writing. The, is it callback hell? Is that what they called it? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and then there was promises. Um, and then on top of promises, people added syntax to JavaScript called async await. So is, kind it, of, uh, is it something like bringing Node.js type of programming style to, to, to the language itself? Yeah, it's C-sharp, isn't it? Yeah, yep. it, it, it originally did come from um, C-sharp, this async await mm. concept. But it's just like syntactic sugar around promises that oh, are okay. in, in, in JavaScript proper, like the language is at ES. Mm. I don't know which version of ES brought it in, but... okay. But yeah, and you, you 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 kind of don't get a choice. You have to use it because you only have one thread. And that's the thing yeah. I like about the JVM is like sometimes I just want to block and I don't care. I don't need to be high performance. You know, I just want to block. <laughs> just let me block. <laughs> okay, so this is this is so async await is one of the things that that you missed or that you something that you think it's uh, it's not there in Clojure script because you're, you're it's, doing like it's a, not as kind easy. Of a comparison. Yeah. I think I think it's available in a variety of forms. What were you going to say, Ray? Mm -hmm. No, I was just going to say after you finish that, it's okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, that it's it's definitely there. There's a bunch of ways to solve it. It's just not as easy as doing async await. <laughs> yeah. Right? There's mm -hmm. there's like you can bring in core async and deal with promises via channels and stuff, or you could do uh, like the library you were saying, um, Promisia, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. <clears throat> well, you know, we have to have a show of its own to find out its true pronunciation, the canonical <laughs> pronunciation. <but. Yeah. laughs> Promise C. <laughs> Promise C. Oh, Promise C. It's a yeah. Jeff. Oh. Who knows? You know. but anyway. And then it, the, the thing I, I think <laughs> the thing that <laughs> <laughs> the thing it makes kind of challenging sometimes is if you want to do like IO and CLJC files. And I know this is like supposed to be a platform problem, but it's like, it's still, I want to pretend that everything is the same in CLJC and it's kind of hard <laughs> when one platform is like all promise based and the other one is like you can actually block some, you know. So I don't know. I'm just. Yeah. 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 But the other thing I was going to say to you, we, we were talking about it a bit earlier, was the, uh, the, the interoperability aspects of things. Because, you know, there was a time when, um, or there, in my mind, before I started talking to you, there was still the time that you couldn't like interoperate with all of the um, all of the uh, React um, functionality, the React libraries, the React kind of bits and pieces that have been, you know, brought into the React ecosystem. But you were telling us that um, that's not the case anymore. Yeah, I think it's relatively new. In like the beginning of this year, Reagent 1.0 introduced like support for functional a functional compiler, which is a mode of Reagent where the all of your components are functional components, which which maps really well to I think Clojure Script, um, and then you can leverage straight up React hooks uh, and effects mm. state. Uh, you use reducer, although like things that are new in React, you can use, uh, and they're 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 really nice sometimes. In like instead of the class-based APIs that you had mm -hmm. to deal with, you can just say use this thing, and a lot of the JavaScript ecosystem exposes hooks, so you can just like pull them in, and with a with a tool like um, 
Shadow CLJS, it's really easy mm-hmm. to just pull in NPM dependencies and say, okay, I'm using it now. And there's no wrappers around them that need to be maintained. I think that's one of the issues with wrappers is that yeah, they're yeah, a, yeah. a maintenance burden. Mm-hmm. So are so, you using any of those things yourself? I'm using all those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I use, I use Shadow CLJS all the time. No, no, no I what I mean is are you, using, are you using any of the libraries from oh. React that, that, you know, that, that maybe you wouldn't have had access to before the one zero? Um, I don't think so. Um, I definitely just, I just leverage the hooks directly for the things I need. Um, at work though, we use like, like I was saying, React Router directly because it's really easy to just use it directly. Hmm. Um, okay. so. And what is the, what is the backend of the application that you're building? It's also completely closure JVM stuff. Yes, it work. Uh, it's all a JVM backend. Um, okay. Which is yeah, it's, it's nice. Just full stack closure is, is ideal, especially with something like transit in between, because then you don't have to worry about serialization. Yeah, yeah. So and it's just like yeah. So use Emacs or some other shit. Ooh, here's the question. Oh, I've been waiting for this question. Quick. Is it in there early today? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the, the, the reason to ask this now is whether we can end the episode right now or not. You know, that's the whole mm, point. Right? Saving time. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's being optimal. Is it, okay, is, so. it, is, it still, is it still worth talking after you don't use Emacs? You know, that's the next question. <laughs> Are we going to start the Emacs podcast uh, that we often have on this podcast? What, like, what, little, do, you, what do you think this episode, podcast this, this podcast, podcast is about? <laughs> <laughs> It's 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 an Emacs podcast masquerading as a closure podcast. Actually, yeah, it's beginning to feel like that. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yes, please go ahead. I've had I've had a, a journey. I've used a lot of different editors. I've used uh, cur- I've used Cursive a little bit. I've used um, Vim, um, and I, I used Vim for a long time with like Vim Fireplace, and then I used Conjure with NeoVim. But earlier this year, I don't like I switched... where this is going. I don't like where this is going. I really <laughs> don't like where this is going. Oh, what do you think? No, no, I need, I need you to guess now. Where, where do you think I ended up? Oh, please, please VS Not Code. <laughs> please VS Code? Um, no, I, I tried VS Code, and I think Call was a, a great extension, but no, no, I switched. Uh, I'm in I'm in Emacs now. Fuck! Sorry. <laughs> man, of, man of culture. So, oh, yeah. my God. Now, now, now yeah. we can enjoy the podcast much better. Yeah? Now we can talk about this stuff. And now yeah, like, a, yeah, like a real programmer. And now we enter the Emacs podcast. No, no, but it's 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 evil Emacs though, so it's okay, yeah, right? Fair enough, fair enough. Of course, <laughs> it's as funny though because yeah, if 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 somehow I disable evil mode, I get completely lost and I don't know how to use my computer anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You're just looking in the activity monitor just to kill the session at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like oh no, hard restart. I don't know. No, what let's just, just, just pull the plug. Yeah. <laughs> Take the battery off, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I could learn about Emacs, or I could keep pretending that it's Vim, you know. Yeah, well, but I think VJ's activity monitor is running inside of Emacs, so oh, it, would, it? it would be impossible to kill anything. Yeah, there is there is a there is a process <laughs> monitor, but you know, I recently started using quote unquote using PinePhone, which is like the Linux phone. So mm. the first thing that I did, it's based on like Manjaro Linux or something. So the first thing I did, okay, let me install Emacs, and I couldn't get out of Emacs. Like literally, like on the phone, I couldn't. Because <laughs> That's good. It's, it's supposed to show that thingy when you when you swipe the cords from the bottom. Can't work on the phone or something. No, no, it's it's Emacs is up. Emacs is running. I can type shit and the, oh, yeah, everything yeah, is yeah, working. Yeah, yeah. So no problem at all. But I can't quit Emacs. Like it's impossible on the phone. It's full screen, and I cannot switch to the app switcher or whatever. So I had Are to. Are you sure you're not like, in Vim? 
me share it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, it was the proper Emacs uh, thing. So I was like, wow, this is amazing. So I, I'm, I'm just stuck in Emacs now. I can't do anything. Well, well it, it knows what your preference is. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. Everything so else should come to Emacs. You know, that's the thing. Not, that's, that's, even... <laughs> that's the message, isn't it? I've got Emacs up right now. What's going what's gonna to come in here? Exactly. <laughs> Give me a phone. Where's the phone? <laughs> Where's the phone mode? <laughs> it's it's Altex call somebody, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, yeah. But uh, you know, uh, I, I like that you are um, you finally um your journey ended at the, you know, the logical conclusion of the best editor of all time, you know. So. Hey man, I, I could I could switch again. I don't know. I don't have allegiances to any editor do as it, long as you do, do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it doesn't matter. It matters what you are using right now until this episode, you know? That's true, that's true. He just cares about so, scores. He doesn't care about, you know, the so, match. He just cares about the results. <laughs> it so if you still want to come for another episode, you know what to do. <laughs> Keep using him. <laughs> or just switch right switch just in time, you know? To be like, oh no, yes, I'll exactly, yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like I the mean, lost sheep, you know, the prodigal like, son returning home. <laughs> You're like half an hour ago I just switched to Emacs again. So you know that, that's yeah. right now. <laughs> anyway, so um Phew. Yeah, I was talking about the 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 back end um stuff as well. So you're doing closure in the back end. Close the script in the front end, and the the the, the kind of um, you know uh, you're talking about the interoperability, right? You know that that's the that's the thing that that you really. I mean, do, do you think it's it's way well, more easier compared to JavaScript and Rails backend, whatever people use? Um. So I do think, in terms of like accessibility to ecosystem, it used to be much harder in JavaScript, especially like NPM. But I think that's a solved problem now, both in external tools like Shadow because of the closure closure with the S, I think, compiler extensions that yeah. uh, that that are in that. But also, I think in proper closure script, you could just export something that, you can, that can be consumed directly by something like Webpack. So I think mm. this used to be a bigger problem, but it's, it's pretty much not an issue anymore, I think. Yeah, yeah. What Although do you, do, what do, you would, do in terms of like, oh, sorry, Karim, sorry, question. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, I do think that a lot of the runtime reification of like developer things is nicer in the JVM closure, like namespaces and vars. Whereas like in, in JavaScript, you're just trying to compile the JavaScript. You're not trying to, in the runtime, provide a, you know, extensive development environment. Yeah. It's like you need the JVM to have a, a nice uh, JavaScript development or a closure script development experience so on talking about the closure script development experience so are you uh are you a you're using shadow clgs so i guess you use it's kind of like live reloading uh facilities yeah yeah i tend to i'll go back and forth between using the REPL and just saving a file to read like if it's render based i'll save the file and look at what my browser rendered but if i'm working on logic i'll just like grab a snapshot of my state you know via an atom or something and run it through some code and look at the results maybe pipe it to portal <laughs> Ooh, oh, nice we'll so come on to that in a whoa. minute we'll come on to hold steady hold steady <laughs> yeah so um so yeah, okay. So any other sort of um, tips and tricks for people out there with using like doing closure script development? Yeah, for me, one of the things I really resisted early on was the JVM. I was like, oh, I want to do JavaScript, but I don't want to take on the JVM. And mm. I, I, in retrospect, I think that's just like, yeah, who, who, who cares? If it works, it works, and you do get a like a really nice experience of using something like um, Shadow, where there's 
you know, and Figwell, I think actually as well has like good and REPL support and you just, mm-hmm. you know, connect and start evaluating forms. So mm. and don't resist the JVM <laughs> <laughs> if it's new to you. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I think it's it, how did your closure script let me start from so JavaScript to closure script. So you I'm I'm assuming you learned closure script first compared to closure. Mm, although they're pretty much kind of similar languages. So uh, do yeah. you feel any any friction in writing normal not normal uh, closure on JVM versus closure script? Um, I think I knew Java enough and I was comfortable mm. enough with Java to explore the ecosystem. So like if I needed uh, IO stuff with buffered input stream, right? You know, all the like Java-isms I was comfortable with. I actually yeah. didn't know all that much about class paths. And then I was like, yeah. oh, okay. I, I feel like I, I did learn more about the JVM through Closure than I did through Java. Um, <laughs> okay. I don't know how, but yeah, I'm much more comfortable need, with the JVM now. a bit more, yeah. Yeah, just yeah. One, one more question about the front end is what do you do for like, because when I'm like, uh, uh, the front end is always much, much more complicated to me than the back end because you have like at least three languages always. You know, you've got JavaScript or ClojureScript and you've got CSS and you've got um, HTML. So I mean, how, how do you kind of like, what do you do to reduce the amount of like, complexity or friction between all these things do you just pick some css and just like stick with it and or do you do you how do you work like that i mean you know is it sort of a designer makes a css and you all just use it or is it more fluid are you are you involved in that aspect of things so there's like two modes like there's like what i do on my projects and then there's what i do at work at work mm-hmm. we're just using tailwind uh, i think yeah. it's right. a pretty popular solution for css these days and then we just use you know um, Helix for the React components, right? So mm-hmm. um, it is technically, I mean, it's, it's all in ClojureScript um, and we write very little CSS because we're just leveraging um, Tailwind for the CSS. But on my personal projects, I like to keep everything as like just ClojureScript data or sorry, I guess Clojure data and mm-hmm. like, you know, pick up is the HTML and then maps are the CSS. Mm. You still have to understand the semantics of what sure. the data means, which mm. I think is still a hard problem. Like we, we always say in the closure community, everything's just data. Yeah, but what does it mean? Like that, <laughs> yeah. That's still a problem. We have to be able to communicate what data means. Um, I mean, but at it's, least it's a map. What do you mean? It's a map. Yes. Moving on. <laughs> but, but, what do these keys mean? <laughs> it's a map. Yeah, but that's the, the sort of matrix of type question, isn't it? You know, <laughs> yeah. now your data is in a map, but what does it mean? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, it's, um, it's map. <laughs> but but at least if it's if it's if it's a data, you can at least you know start building a UI to inspect it, and <laughs> and, and then you get leverage across all these yeah. different data formats. Uh, you and can make I don't a fork know. bend, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, in, in my personal projects, I just like to keep everything in ClojureScript. Even my CSS, I like to, you know, like the the Java, the CSS and JS thing, I like to mm-hmm. do that, except in um, uh, in ClojureScript. The problem is that there's a lot of features in CSS that are only exposed via like class names and pseudo selectors, and like you mm-hmm. have to be in a CSS file. So what I tend to do is I write, and I think you can, too, you can use something like Garden, um, to generate yep. your CSS, but I think that's too far away. So what I like to do is just generate the CSS at runtime in my browser and then just link them together. Because turning a map into CSS is really easy. You just like put some colons in there, some semicolons, and you just say, 
here browser, here's a new class name, and you can generate that class name and then put it on the actual uh, DOM nodes, which I think is what something like styled does in in um, yeah. JavaScript land. So right, that's right, that's yeah. how I like to work on my projects. It's just to put everything in in uh, put everything in ClojureScript, and then the other benefit to doing something like that is that you get free linting with something like CLJ Condo because it's closure, mm. right? And right, if you right. have programmability, you have if statements, you have uh, when statements merge, like all your data manipulation mm. is all checked by your static analyzer like CLJ Condo and your formatting, I don't need a new formatter. It's all just, it's all just closure. I have a formatter for closure. I have a, I have a static analyzer. I have all these things for closure. <laughs> I can move it to the JVM if I wanted to leverage it because it's all just closure data, so. But isn't it, isn't it going like too far I'm just being uh, I'm just mm-hmm. being an ass, but um, as usual. Um, <laughs> but isn't it like utilizing the same language for everything? Isn't it like complexing things? <laughs> um, I would I would agree if we were trying to use something like an HTML ish hiccup language for CSS or the other way yeah. around. But I think yeah. if you can. If you can have a one-to-one correspondence between your data structures and your target domain, it's like who cares? You yeah. know, it's 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 a direct mapping. The documentation is identical because it's like, and actually, I think that CSS maps better in ClojureScript than it does in JavaScript, right? Because in ClojureScript, we have like kebab case with the dashes, so I can copy yeah. code that's exactly CSS pasted, switch the colons, and I'm I'm good to go. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, I, I, I mean, do. In, in the end, I think CSS is is more or less just data anyway, right? So it, it's just yeah, interpreted yeah. by the browser. So I think they're exactly, probably the, exactly. Yeah, the, the the impedance mismatch is less in in, in that case anyway. Yeah. Maybe nothing there. Yeah. Yeah, I do think that CSS is still fundamentally hard, no matter how you do it, because it's a it's a constraint language, and you have to think in terms yeah. of constraints and layout. And that's that's not a problem that goes away independently of the technology you use. You still have to know all the quirks, all yeah. of the you know CSS isms. So, do you, yeah, because which I one think do you a, go with? Do you go with like Flexbox, or you go? Are you? Um, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Flexbox. I've been using Grid sometimes. I like Grid. Like you can have gaps in your grid, which is kind of harder to do, and like other things. So I'll use grid sometimes for that. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, anything that's available in CSS that I can use to solve this problem, I'll use. I, I used to use like the floats. I hate that. So see, Flexbox is way better than floats. Yeah, yeah. But isn't the world moving towards uh, you know everything is going to be canvas these days? I, I don't oh, think Google is trying yeah. to convert all the shit to canvas now. The, you yeah. say it's Google Docs, right? The Google. Yeah, Google Docs. Yeah. 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 I think I think they're solving a very niche problem though, right? They're like they want a yeah. high performance text editor in the browser. It turns out the browser isn't a high performance text editor. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's fine. Uh, but yeah, I don't think yeah. everyone's gonna do that. I mean like not everyone has the same budget and you know capacity yeah. that Google does, so But isn't it the case that isn't it the case that eventually they're like if you think about what they've done, I mean I I hope what they'll do is they'll they'll release a whole bunch of open source stuff to make it easier to write canvas apps. And for me, that would be excellent because, you know, I think uh, it's a underused resource because HTML and everything is not made. I mean, the whole DOM is a piece of shit, basically. If you could just <laughs> replace, if you could just replace the DOM and throw it all away and just use a canvas, to some extent, that would be a bit easier, you know? Aren't you, aren't you arguing for Java applets or something? Ooh. Yeah. A flash? No. Well, no, well, kind of, yeah. I mean, there's uh, Tonsky has done this thing recently, hasn't he, with um, 
with uh, with SVG. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Canvas. I mean, SVG is still is still I think in in my opinion is still kind of an open language sort of thing, right? It is still XML, so it is reasonable with SVG. But I'm wondering if we if we switch to Canvas, then it's basically becoming like another Flash object, you know, that nobody knows what the fuck is happening. Yeah, you it's still need to solve yeah. all the same problems with layout and like yeah. people are like, we need responsive websites because we only want to write it once. So you still like even it doesn't matter how you get the pixels on the screen, right? What matters is yeah. like how you deal with interaction and state and all those problems. Like if you go to Canvas, you still need to solve them. Whereas right now in JavaScript well, with the DOM, it's kind of solved, not super well, but it is solved. Yeah, but I think that's a question. That's to me, I don't like that answer because um, I think that it's like all the complexity is brushed under the carpet. And if, if you if you kind of throw away the DOM, because what you're doing, I mean, with HTML and all this stuff is you're kind of abusing it to some extent. You know, the whole idea of an application in in the web is a kind of like, it's not what it's meant for. It's meant for documents. It's called a document object model. You know, and everyone says that it's, oh yeah, but you know, whatever. No, fuck off, <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's not whatever. That's what it's meant for. <laughs> so all this other stuff, all these like the, the JavaScript things were meant like for showing little enhancements, not for running first class applications. Well, I mean that's yeah. debatable, but still, you know, it seems like the the fact is, you know, once it's out there it can be made to work in a certain way. Um and uh, you know, I, I think it's the same potentially the same thing for Canvas, you know. I think the thing that I would want changed about the the web and like HTML and CSS is just, just less. Can I can we have less things? Because I feel like right now, because of the the need to keep backwards compatibility, you run across articles on how to do the thing, and then oh, how to do the thing and this new thing, and how to do and it's like what's the right way to do it, and you don't know. Yeah. So my argument or what I would like is just less options because then it's like it's easier to choose what to do and I love that about Clojure is that you don't have a lot of options it's like you have data you have functions continue yeah. but what you mean you don't like the idea of a, like a, a, a vast array of uh, of tick boxes at the bottom of every single page about which version of the browser and which browser <laughs> <laughs> it's been you know it's like this big block of stuff at the bottom of every page of MDN yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every every time I want to use a feature, I'm like, uh, can I use this? Is this the is this a, is this still a relevant feature, <laughs> or is, I mean, is there a new way to do this? I mean, there is an easy way out, right? I mean, like in the '90s, you can just put a nice uh, GIF at the bottom that says, "This website is optimized for Internet Explorer for 1080 by 960 or 720." You know, that's yes. it. And then I fuck off. You know, if you don't have the Internet Explorer 4.5 running at 480 by 320, whatever, then you can't use my app. So it's fine. <laughs> It's like it's like this thing that we're running now with Zencaster. It's optimized for Chrome, and it tells you to yeah. fuck off if you're not using Chrome. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can use Firefox as well. No, I tried well, Firefox, and you can't use it. It doesn't work? No. Oh, okay. It's weird. It's all like I Chrome did, stuff. Did so it's all Brave or mm, I use yeah, Chromium, yeah. but, you know. But these days, I think everything is kind of all roads are leading to Chrome anyway. Wow. No. All roads leading to Rome, leading to Chrome. Okay. <laughs> no, I hey, hope not. Meant. I hope not. That would be horrible. Well, IE has a Chrome engine now, I think, or WebKit, whatever. Not WebKit. Um, the Chrome shit now. IE, the Edge, whatever. Yep, um, yep. Edge is Chromium-based, yeah. Yeah, Edge is Chromium, Brave. Uh, yeah, all the shit is now, you know, we're turning, we're going into the monoculture, but that's what I'm, I'm I, I think the openness of the web is what that created this this ecosystem of weird shit, you know, that's that's nice. If we say there is only one way to do shit and, if we go back to saying, hey, document object model is only for documents, then 
app. No, no. I what I meant is, a, I mean, what I meant to some extent is that, like, mm -hmm. I would argue that 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 like Canvas is a bit like WebSockets versus HTTP. You know, mm -hmm. in the sense that you know it's a kind of more open protocol. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so you can have more creativity around that in some ways. Um, but yeah. of course, you've got this problem of standardization. But you have a problem with standardization on the web anyway. You know, yeah. see above. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think we'll all move to Click Canvas then. Or, or you know, bring back Flash. Like, I don't want to. I, I, I would I would not like to implement the apps that I've implemented in Canvas because without like a lot of substantial infrastructure, like layout, yeah. Event, yeah, yeah. events. No, but that's that what stuff. I mean. That's what I mean. I'm guessing mm -hmm. that Google, okay. with all of their stuff, with all their budget and all that kind of stuff, because if they've, mm -hmm. you know, if you, you can think about React as, why do, why do all these big companies open source shit? It's because they want their pro want programmers from the outside world to be able to come to them, and they want to be able to maintain it, and you know all this kind of stuff. Yeah. There's not, it's not. There's, I mean, there's some beneficence as well, but there's a large degree of self in, enlightened self interest, you know. So my guess is, if that they did make a thing with Google Docs, they will use it on other Google on other Google pieces of the Google estate, as they say. You know, they'll want to use that technology elsewhere in Google. And then in a year after that, once it's all like settled down and they've got a competitive advantage, they'll think, okay, well, let's open source it. And they'll have all this infrastructure for events and for this kind of that and the other. You know? Yeah, I think that yeah. that's something that they, they kind of kick-started, right? With the, the mm. first Gmail version was, was exactly. mind-blowing to, to see this in the, in the browser. And Google Maps. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Google Maps and the, the pushing the envelope and then that is triggering this whole cottage industry. You know, it's like a huge industry of sparse, you know. The, the single page application so may, maybe they'll do that so that'd be nice though yeah and if if it had an api like react i probably would just be like okay if if the if you know if the pros outweigh the cons like yeah. it's faster or you know there's less quirks as okay. long as i get my like reactive api and i don't have unless that's the nice thing about something like react is it kind of abstracts a lot of the issues with the browser I don't mm. have to worry about setting up handlers and then unsetting them up and worrying about like memory leaks and all that stuff i can just hey Make this the page. Okay, cool. I'll be back yeah, later. Yeah. yeah. My guess is that so, would be even easier with Canvas, though. But okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. We'll see. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure Google is going to release AWT for Canvas, you know? Like, yes. Yes. <laughs> that's what we need. <laughs> CWT. 1.1. Yeah, the yeah, Canvas CWT. Web Toolkit. Yeah. Like, because they had a GWT, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Something oh like that. Oh, my God. Uh, anyway. Okay. So let's get back to um, closure world, you know, in a cozy yes. closure world. Um, so the data exploration part. So you're talking about, you know, you explore the data, you check what is in there. So um, you're saying something about portal. So let's yeah. let's get into it. What is okay. it? What is it about? So portal is an open source project <laughs> I work on um, for like exploring data, uh, not big data, not small data. Kind of like me. There's a lot of medium sized data that we have to deal with. <laughs> right? It's like the Goldilocks <laughs> data. Yeah. Well, it's like a map with more than like 20 keys. You print that out and it might look weird and you're trying to, you pretty print yeah, it and you're trying yeah. to figure out. And it's just kind of sometimes hard to work with. So, and like pretty print only goes so far, I think. So I think the next evolution was something like Rebel, right? That's the first thing that came out. And yeah, yeah. Datafy and Nav, where you take objects that aren't data and you turn them into data and then you can navigate them and that was like in the closure ecosystem i think when a lot of this uh, but before that there was an inspector and there still is an inspector enclosure I, I never saw it used a lot though 
Um, but yeah, Rebel kind of took off, and then um, Shadow has a prod of an internal inspector. Um, Reveal has like a thing, and I'm like, okay, well, I want to make yeah. one that works on all the platforms. So that's mm-hmm. I think the 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 strength of Portal is that it works in the in the web. On the web, mm-hmm. it works in Node, it works in Babashka, it works in um, the JVM, and I'm working on a, a, a one for Erlang right now because Clojure is pretty cool, actually. So, <laughs> Ooh, right, nice. and it's like it's like, hey, you implement a little bit of code for your runtime, which exposes. And I think I talked to this a little bit on, on Apropos. It's like you have this API that your host process implements, and then you can mm-hmm. just shovel data back and forth, um, and then you should be able to re-leverage all the UI that you have. And I've yeah. kind of that, that's where I've been experimenting with like different ways to visualize information. Like, you know, the the normal thing is to put things in tables, but you know, there's a lot of other ways you can visualize in, information. Like, uh, when like one thing I this last week I was working with my coworker and we kept, you know, we had dates and we kept trying to figure out, okay, but how long ago was this? Okay, let's yeah. have a viewer that tells us how long ago. You know, like the thing that Moment JS has, which is like yeah, yeah, ten yeah. minutes ago. Ten like, ago, turn that yeah, into yeah. a viewer. And now, yeah. anytime I have an instant, I can just say, oh, how long ago was that? 10 minutes ago. Oh, and then I want to look at it as it formatted like as a normal date or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe I don't know what format this is in because maybe I live in a different place in the world and I can hover over and it can say, oh, this is the month. This is the day or the date because yeah. it's flipped right, in different right. places, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. all these little things that you know just would but make life easier. that's only a US problem, you know? Yeah, no, I know. I was like... a decent place. <laughs> <laughs> the US is like... <laughs> needlessly different sometimes like why are we metric why are we still doing miles <laughs> oh god yeah. but the, I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge amount of uh, you know demographic that you want to serve with portal anyway so it makes sense you know yeah yeah <laughs> you, yeah. you want to you know be inclusive of any kind of date format <laughs> yeah as, as long as you tell people what it means or it's you know then I think it people are open to like people are very good at you know picking think- up on it should also, you know, lead to something like, you know, my mother saying, back in my day, okay, what does that mean? You know, like, there is, there is a translator for back in my day from your mother. Like, yeah. From yeah. your grandfather. <laughs> that would be a nice format. Or... Anyway, so is this, is this a, so what is this built with, on, by, like, is it a web application? Is it something that... Yeah. It's, runs it's an Emacs. So what is the what is the, what is no, the it it doesn't run in Emacs. Although, oh, okay, then. Okay. okay, thanks a lot, man. You know, it was nice talking to you. <laughs> no, no, but like the one of the cool things I liked about Emacs is I have a bunch of shortcuts set up that call yeah. Portal API functions. So, like mm. in my editor, I can do like Control L and it'll clear my Portal session, or I oh. can do like. Um, that's the one I'm, I'm, or I can open it up, right? I can do, I have command option or command shift yeah. O will open up a portal session. So it's like, there's, I can still leverage shortcuts in my runtime from yeah, yeah. my Emacs. So, so what is the, what is the architecture like? So how does it communicate with your process and what is it built on? So, it, it, um, yeah, it's doing HTTP and it's doing WebSockets and, um, it, it used to speak transit. I, I moved mm-hmm. a, away from transit a little bit, uh, cause I wanted more, flexibility with how I serialize information for the UI. So I, uh, I have a protocol-based... J- like, I, I did the same thing Transit did. I, I don't do anything novel. I did what uh, Transit did, and I have like this concept of take the thing, turn it into JSON, then use a JSON serializer to turn it into a string JSON, ship it over JSON.parse, and then mm-hmm. rerun the code in, in the inverse to get the data structures back. So. Mm-hmm. 
Um, that's like the data exchange. And then, yeah, it's just using on the client reagent mostly. Just a lot of okay. reagent components. So it's like a web app that runs in, in your browser that connects to your current yes. project where you can send the data to, to investigate. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And there's a bunch of different components that mm -hmm. like you can use. Um, sorry, you can, you there's like a table viewer. I don't know. I don't know mm -hmm. if I can share my screen or not, but. Um, <laughs> On the podcast. Not. Yeah. It's just, but to you guys, you could, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to you guys, because you guys could be like, oh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's like can, a table we, we can viewer. Give a, we can give like, you know, like a running commentary on what is happening in there. It's yeah. like listening to oh, it looks really good, guys. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Trust us. It does. It, it has themes. There aren't that many themes, but there's a, there's, there's a few themes. There's a blue theme, isn't there? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course. That's, that's the default. What are you, what are you talking about? Um, that's what I but mean. There's like, there's like a, a Solarize theme, which, by the way, the funny thing about the Solarize theme is I think in Apropos, uh, I was trying to show uh, Eric the dark solarized theme because I, I I knew he used it, and when I said that he he wasn't there, he was gone. I was like, "What's going on?" Uh, yeah, just, yeah, just maybe we should clear up that that we uh, this apropos thing is a YouTube channel that I do as well with some other people. Uh, so if anyone hasn't heard of it, you can look up apropos on YouTube, and we've got an episode with Chris doing the kind of uh like more visual demonstration of this stuff so if you want to um if you want to get a more visual feel for this discussion then go over there and, and it's really good it was a really good session we did Chris. Yeah. thank you um nice yeah I, I have made a bunch of improvements since then though so <laughs> uh it should be even nicer now so it's it's outdated do you mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the problem with documentation Jesus. honestly though <laughs> Is yeah, that yeah. like, it's so, which is, I feel like for me, the like, the ideal way to do documentation is that you have data structures, which you use to drive your system and to drive your documentation. Because then that way, the system is the documentation and the documentation is the system. I don't know. It's, 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 yeah, a, it's, it's a thing it's, I've been. Um, it's kind of similar to the literate programming stuff, right? If you write the whole program as a novel with literate stuff, with Arc Babel and you know, like sprinkle code in between. I would say it's it's similar, it. but the yeah. the the problem with that is that you're still like writing. Here's what I mean to say, and then here's me saying it. Well, what what I think the, the the slight difference here is that the actual code is driven, like yeah. it's driven by the data. So at, at work, uh, we have like this flow based system, and so we have a bunch of data structures that represent like a flow graph, yeah. and that those data structures actually are leveraged in the code. But they're data, so we can render them as flow graphs. So we have this like symmetry where the, there's canonical data, and it's leveraged in two ways as yeah. a way to visualize it. So, and that's our documentation, right? People can look at the flow graphs, and they can be like, oh, OK, we go here, we do this, we go here, we do this. Uh, without even running the application, they can run it in their mind. And I think that's like, uh, I don't know how we make that easier for people to kind of and like understand the system at a high level. Um, yeah. But in the, the the problem, right, with traditional documentation is you write it and then it gets stale and then no one maintains it sometimes. And yeah, I think um, that's why we just don't write documentation because you know it's unfortunate because it's, 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 it's better. 
it's better not to give you wrong ideas than you know giving you yeah ideas. yeah <laughs> yeah because like honestly running the code is so much i mean especially in something like closure like you just run like i i, I tend not to read a, a bunch of documentation i just run a code sample and i'll yeah. read it to get like an initial feel for how a library works or for some high level concepts but then there's a lot of experimentation i think in in closure which is what i like about it actually is because that the, the code can't lie to me when i run it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a fair point but this is this is a big big issue in every in, in every ecosystem right i mean the, yeah, the documentation yeah. and then how to yeah. how to communicate because i think the the difficulty there is that it's with code you have only one uh, audience or one goal to to explain but with documentation you 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 know you're casting a really wide net so mm-hmm. there are beginners there are advanced people so it's extremely difficult to create something that is going to cater to everybody yeah so i think that is the biggest challenge in my opinion uh, yeah to, which is i think then which and this again is i think like still something i'm 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 like like struggling with working on is like i think the the more you can model your domain as data mm-hmm. that like normal people would understand the easier it is for you to take that information and just generate tables generate diagrams generate whatever and then like literally hand an analyst a table here are here's the columns with all the names the words we yeah. use here's a description here's a you know all the things that you would care about and it, it'd be great if the ui was like excel like honestly everybody wants excel <laughs> like every company i think i've worked on or yeah. maybe not the last one but every company is just like hey can we have this as excel though oh yeah okay <laughs> for sure for sure <laughs> we'll just rebuild excel real quick yeah yeah I think but just give us a sprint or two. Aren't the things like things like spec and Mali and things like this? They're they're uh, you know schema, plumatic schema, etc. Yeah, you know they're kind of designed to give you that documentation as well. You know to sort of provide you with the information about stuff. So that's yes. good. You know that's definitely a sort of mechanical way to to like integrate it. But but I often feel like that that one of the problems with that is that it misses like the like what you were talking about, Chris, which is like overall intent of the system. Because, you know, yeah, you can say this particular data structure is made up of these things, but why? What does it mean, you know? Yeah, yeah. I do think that actually those systems are like like Molly and like Spec are really interesting because it lets you start to write down some of these things that are important to you. Mm. But I think the, the hard part about that is the accessibility. Like mm. one of the things we do is we have like a spec for our flows, but then you run the spec and we do like explain data and it's like this big medium it's not this big it's medium-sized data which is kind of hard to deal with Hmm. and so it would be great if there was a spec viewer that kind of let you drill into and kind of explain because the structure of the explained data is like well known right it's really easy to build a ui for the Hmm. output of spec so and that makes it more accessible and then also leverageable like it'd be really cool if a user who doesn't do closure at all could look at like a a spec error because at the end of the day it's going to be like hey this is not that or I but there are, this year, there are tools that. for that, aren't there, Mike? Mali has this humane readable stuff, and there is there yeah. these expound and things like that. You know, no, no, no. I, I think the, I think those are great. The the thing that I kind of like, they're all, and I, I could be wrong because I haven't I've leveraged them. Is that they all spit out strings at the end of the day? I want to spit out a UI, right? I want right, to be like, right, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. You know, I want to yeah. be like, hey, here's a UI because when you when you take your information and you put it in a UI, you let the user drive. Whereas mm-hmm. if you take your data and you spit it as a string, the user just gets to like navigate that manually. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's probably where I'm the saddest ab- about the state of like programming right now. It's just like we don't really have enough 
interfaces for ourselves and for explaining to other people our systems there's excel like that's that's the, everyone yeah. puts like <laughs> if something gets sufficiently complicated in terms of like modeling and describing to other people they just put it in a table and say okay let's we're gonna share this spreadsheet like i think at my last job there was a project where i was getting like chaotic and we were like okay let's put everything in excel here like we didn't even use jira like, jira was too much of an impediment we put like these tickets of work that we need to do in excel and, and it works that's the yeah, thing yeah, is like, yeah, yeah. because it's so yeah. powerful, I think that's like the gold standard for everyone in terms of like the flexibility you want to offer users in your UI as Excel. And I think so, like that it has yet to be dethroned. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it will, it will ever be. But uh, in, in uh, back in, I don't know, 99 or something, I used to work at a company where our our project management software was a shared Excel sheet, you know, like this. <laughs> yeah. somebody just what? having an Excel sheet with a list of stuff. And then, yeah, that's, that's, that's and, and still then somebody will fucking, yeah. you know, lock it and then we're fucked nobody can edit it <laughs> yeah it's, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's fun fun and then but yeah i think it's that that, that is the thing it, it, excel is is so malleable flexible plastic you know that you you cannot dethrone it because to dethrone it you have to build every possible tool that can be done with excel separately yes. and excel at it that is the <laughs> that is the shit you know it's, so, it's impossible and i think like my biggest gripe with Excel is just that the data sh- the, the the data structure is bad. Like there's yeah. only one and it's a grid and it's like <laughs> I I like I like closure data structures. I like maps, I like sets, I like vectors, yeah. right? So I want Excel but with like better data structures. <laughs> right? Like proper yeah. data structures. Well, you Maybe can, even you a can, database stored it there. You you can potentially do that, but that that's going to make it extremely uh, you know, difficult to maintain. You know, you can you can have variable names and shit and whatnot, and it's 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 mental. But um, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I don't think, think it's a. I think it's a really hard, especially because like, I think, I, and I don't know. I feel like the data structure literacy is like something that you spend forever trying to get comfortable with and understanding and mm-hmm. learning how to use. It's not something you get for free. Whereas like yeah. a grid is kind of familiar for people because in yeah. school there's like you know grids everywhere. Yeah. But I think I think maybe uh, coming back to I think we should roll back to the the portal. So mm-hmm. what can portal do that Excel can't do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it can it can uh, it can do things with proper data. Yeah, <laughs> like if you give it a list of maps, it'll yeah. render it out as a table, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I, it has tables. It doesn't have edit because I think that's a hard problem because like. Yeah the succession of state over time and what it means and where to put it is still like, it's hard to guess. Hmm. So I don't I haven't tried to solve that problem yet, but in terms of like rendering read only data, that's okay. You gave me a map, render it as a table. You give me a map of maps, you know, I render it like something else. I don't know. Like, um, I think that should be, that's my ideal is like you spend a lot of time, modeling your domain is data and you for for that you get like a bunch of uis that you can leverage yeah, without yeah. like and i think like of course you can do that currently but the investment mm. is high you have to like learn react or some ui framework you have to learn closure script you have to learn all the web quirks you have to learn http to shovel the day you have to see you have to pick a serialization so like the barrier to entry is kind of high so p- yeah. people don't do it they're just like this is too much work, and I agree it's too much work. <laughs> so solve the problem once, hopefully, um, yeah, and solve it for enough platforms. Because that's the thing is like every project I've worked on, there's always been a back end and a front end. So if the tool only works on the back end or it only works on the front end, it's kind of like incomplete in my mind. But yeah, yeah. Um, so did did you take any? Because as you know, we spoke to Vlad and a few other folks working yeah. on similar kind of things. So um, so how do you? 
compare with them? Obviously, working on on both ends is obviously the 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 biggest challenge, I think. But did did you get any inspiration from them, or how do you contrast experience with those tools versus Portal? Yeah, I've I've used them. I think Portal is. I don't know how to. I don't know how to say there. It's so the like the biggest difference between Portal and Reveal is Reveal is the JVM only. There, there mm-hmm. is a version of it that lets you run prepl. I think where you can yeah. pipe data to it over. Yeah, uh, which works, uh, but it's it doesn't feel like a integrated experience with that runtime, which mm-hmm. has, that's one of the, the differences. Um, in the Shadow Inspector, it's. Mm-hmm pretty much the same except for i think there's not like in terms of runtime support like the jvm and the javascript runtimes are equally supported for the shadow inspector but i think there's not a bunch of different viewers right there's like Mm. two viewers like inspect and inspect latest and then it's all datafied nav and you just keep digging through your data whereas like um portal is trying to like take your data and let you see it in different ways Mm. does that make sense like it's trying to it's trying to like be um, trying to give you a variety of different cross sections that you can that you can look your data through. Okay, nice. And it's it's doing that by like guessing, like oh, you're a, a list of numbers. Maybe this is like a plot or something, or you know, there's like mm. predicates. Yeah. One of the one of the pre- one of the predicates I have is like this is an exception datafication. Oh, okay. Well, let me render it as an exception. Okay, so so you're you're um, inspecting the data for semantics and then picking the right visualization yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I and I give you multiple options. Like, oh, you can use yeah. you can you you can view it this way or that way or that way or that way or whatever way, whatever way makes sense. Okay. So, what changed between uh, your demo and on Apropos and and now and what is in the future for for Portal? Oh, um, so one of the like ni- nice little changes is you can click and select things. So you like you can hold this sub piece of data in your hand and choose mm-hmm. a viewer for that, as opposed to saying this entire view, this entire piece of data from the root means this. Now you can be like this sub piece of the data I want to look at as a table. This sub piece of the data I want to look at as a tree. So you can actually click it without navigating into it and kind of play with it. You can copy it by itself. You can mm-hmm. choose a different viewer. Um, you can run a function on just that. Um, yeah. So there's like little things like that. Uh, in the future, I don't know. I think one of the things I really want is extensibility because I, I don't want to solve everyone's problems. I want to give people tools to solve their problems. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's a hard problem with multiple runtimes, right? Because it's like now, if you write an extension, what are the semantics? Does it run in your runtime? Does it run in the portal web runtime? What language yeah. is it in? Do I have to compile it? It's just like, oh, I've what avoided this, that problem. What about this kind of stuff like with um, with Clojure LSP, um, stuff like that? Doesn't that, couldn't that potentially help you in terms of runtime? Um, I think that that's more on the side of like helping you navigate your code, right? Sure. Mm. I want to I wanna help you navigate your data. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think that that yeah, I think that's uh unless you want to shove your entire code as data into portal. Yeah. So I'm not <laughs> I'm not trying to solve that problem because I think there's a t- <laughs> there's there's a bunch of really good editors out there. There's a bunch of really good tooling around editing code like static yeah. analysis all that stuff. I'm just going to stay focused on data. I'm going to stay in that yeah, lane. Yeah. So I'm not competing you- against editors. Yeah. Do you do you integrate with Tap? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, that is one of the nice things that Clojure added recently in one ten. I think is yeah. that now you can instead of print, you can do Tap, and that'll send that 
object somewhere else and i'll be i'll i'm just i put up my hand and i intercept and i'm like cool thanks for passing me that and then i do a bunch of stuff with it like i store it off in a list in an atom and then i can send it to the ui and serialize it i can do a bunch of uh fun stuff with it directly so how else do you get the data other than tap how else do you 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 kind of like inspect these things um, if you wanted, if you, if you didn't have tap, you could call the API function directly. There's like a, in my portal API namespace, there's like a submit function, which will submit a value to uh, portal, or you could have like a bunch of, there's a bunch of ways to push data around. So it's just the, the, yeah. I was just going to say, so with the REPL, you, you, in, you integrate like the results, um, or the forms. No, no, you have to, right now, you have to explicitly send. I think there's an NREPL middle world that I have, but I never use, so I don't know if it works still. So don't worry about it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but yeah, for the most part, I'm expecting people to use it like console log, right? They have tap. And, right, right, yeah. right, okay. Yeah, yeah. And I'm it's just, just saying like because something like the prepl, something like the prepl gives you back data. See? Yeah. You know? That's a nice thing. Yeah, I, I was kind of, I was kind of, when when PREPL first came out, I was excited about that, uh, maybe taking over NREPL, uh, NREPL, but like NREPL has so much momentum that I think it'd be really hard. Plus it's like, it's solving a, a harder problem, I think, of like a programmatic API into a closure REPL that's like, there's a bunch of things you can do with like NREPL, like um, pot, like killing execution, right? Whereas the PREPL API is like synchronous. You send me a thing, I give you a return. I mean, I think you can do a bunch of standard outs and then a final return, but I don't know if you can kill something with a prepl API directly. Does that make sense? Like, if I have a thing that's taking too long and I want to kill it with the APL, with the API directly, not, but you can do it out of out of band because it's just a thread running on the back end. Yeah, yeah. So you would still need to implement that as a yeah, like a side channel. Um, mm. So, but I do like how simple something like prepl is. Where it's just like you give me the code and I'll give you a bunch of result data, um, mm -hmm. data format. So I think it's simpler that way. I mean, it's more tool friendly. That's the point, isn't it? Yeah, because I think like NREPL is really cool, but like there's one of the projects I worked on that I was trying to get working. And this is when I was, again, I didn't want to take on the JVM. I was like, I want NREPL, but in Node. <laughs> And I was yeah. like, oh, this is actually a bit harder than I thought to implement. So <laughs> like the encoding is this thing called Ben code, which yeah, I had to learn yeah. and like do. And then, oh, these are the different data formats and the semantics. And it wasn't, uh, and like NREPL is cool. I'm not being uh, disparaging no, 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 Ben. But, but I think they're changing. I think they're giving an Eden. Um, yeah. Uh, there is an Eden format either coming or it's uh, it's out there recently. I think, yeah, I think it was 07 they introduced Eden or Transit or a bunch of them, yeah. So yeah. you, there's there's uh, there's other ways to do it. You're right. Nice. So uh, so how do I use Portal? Like, and I can I was just browsing through the through the thing, and I see that there is a section called Emacs. So I'm sold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so all, all I need to do is just Portal.el, and then I'm done. Um, if you if you just want to try it in the browser, there's a link at the top that you can click oh. on. And uh, so that that link takes you to a website that's a like a progressive web app. So you can use it. Um, you can install it locally. So you have a nice little icon in your dock or whatever OS Ooh, equivalent. Wow. Um, and you can use it to. It used to just be for a demo, but I was like, yeah. nah. You you can just put a file in it, and it'll try to parse like a Markdown file or a JSON okay. file. It'll parse it. Um, or you can load the demo data. I don't know if you did that. You can see all the example data I have. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I can I can see that. I think it's it's super cool actually. 
think that this is this is the kind of you know seamless experience you want to have with when especially when you're dealing with the, when you're dealing with the developer tools right you know i don't want yeah, to install some yeah. shit and then it requires like 200 dependencies and i'm not <laughs> I, i don't have time for typing all these commands you know <laughs> you, you, if, it, I, I if think, it doesn't have alt x portal i'm done you know like <laughs> yeah yeah no i think i think i think yeah. in the last um defend podcast right daniel was talking about easy versus simple and i do think mm. that like um like simple is essential but i think easy is essential for more adoption right because people yeah, tend to yeah, give up yeah, if something yeah. is too hard yeah um so that, that's the at, the at the top of the readme you'll see like four examples for all the different runtimes here's like yeah. a minimal paste this in your uh, terminal and you have a portal running you can start tapping stuff to it and just yeah. trying things out and i think that's the thing i really appreciate about closure is that it's really easy to just try things out to make mistakes and to learn yeah. and that's yeah. like that's what i want out of my tools let me make mistakes yeah yeah <laughs> cuz like that that's just a human thing that's how i've learned a lot of things is by absolutely, trying trying absolutely. trying so yeah yeah, yeah. I, i don't think portal is a mistake though so i think it's uh, it's amazing <laughs> it looks really amazing you know Think, oh, uh, you should uh, you should try the different themes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that is the, the that is the fucking axe shaving that I do constantly. I have like so, 200 themes on Emacs, and I keep con- like every oh every two seconds keep Welcome changing the theme. And that's yeah, how does like about Emacs, Emacs podcast. <laughs> But like, it's funny though because it's not just a developer thing. Like every yeah. project I've worked on, the, inevitably. they want theming and branding it's and it's like the thing yeah. that you have to do later after you wrote all your css <laughs> it's just like oh god yes. yeah where, where is the dark mode you know there is a the step number oh, one yeah. yep yeah mode. no exactly <laughs> oh my god but uh, i recently uh, read some i think there was some proper research done for the dark mode i think they said that it, it doesn't increase any of the you know people using night mode not dark mode on on your phones mm-hmm. you know it, it doesn't actually help you to sleep So that's the apparently there there is some research now that says no that's not true. Mm. I, I just do it because I like it. I do. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a, that's a perfectly <laughs> valid reason. But people telling you that if you use night mode then you can sleep better, that's mm. that's apparently now researched and at least there is one research that says that's bullshit. So <laughs> yeah. Anyway. If, But yeah, yeah I don't themes. think <laughs> Yeah, yeah, themes always. Ooh, and then there's like a color if you go to the very bottom you can see all of them. And you could put it in a table and view all the colors side by side. That's like I don't know. I like the like demo data because you can kind of play with things. But yeah, yes. if you, so you select, have, do you have rainbow parents? Is the biggest question. Yes, only for the tree viewer though, because that's where it made the most sense. If you switch to the tree viewer, um, you can see like the rainbow parents. Yeah. It's pretty fancy. Oh. All right. Cool. Yeah, it's it's super cool. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I mean, as we said, this is a podcast, so you can't see anything. But trust us. <laughs> You, know? <laughs> you can't prove like, otherwise right now. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I I don't think you know, guys. You know, people who are who are listening to this stuff, guys and girls, you're missing out on on me clicking shit around and then admiring all the CSS shown in different colors. Now it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on well, that bombshell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, yeah, I think that's it. this is super cool, uh, super cool tool. Uh, I mean. Uh, I think I would definitely encourage people to give that a try. And as you said, you know, the the demo is just click away. So you know, you yeah. can just click on the icon and then another icon with a screenshot and see the demo. So this is a uh, yeah. Th- thanks a lot for sharing this, um, Chris. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, you know, I think we need we need more of these kind of things that are much more integrated into mm. developer ecosystem. And and hopefully, you know, you're going to dethrone at least uh, 
some use cases of you know excel with this <laughs> <laughs> at least for the view side for yes, now yes yeah, yeah fair enough fair enough yeah i think nice. i think integrating excel into the REPL is still you know a little way off <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it needs to be better than excel right that's like the thing that if you if you want to if you want to but if you want to bring users over it has to be like 10 times better right that's, yeah, the, yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah, yeah. so it has to be 10 times better <laughs> yeah yeah I think you know. I kind of gave up, you know, fighting Excel. So I, I don't even complain about it anymore. I just don't even talk about Excel. Then it goes away. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the thing is the programmability is what I think is the thing that's appealing to me about Excel is like um, without having to write a bunch of code. Yeah, I mean it's 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 crazy what what you can do. I mean, especially because are we leaving Excel? Built- because no. I know it's got an E and an L no. in it, so you know you're excited about it. <laughs> it you starts know. with an E. E X dot E L. Well, in oh. in Emacs you have actually spreadsheet mode, so you don't Fucking need hell. to use Excel. Yeah. So oh, okay. it's, that's, that's why I still I still yeah, haven't gotten cool. too familiar with org mode. I know it can do all these things, but I haven't oh, I haven't yeah. gone down that you're rabbit hole yet. Back in the fucking yet. Emacs, you gotta you gotta use org mode, man. I mean that's that's I mean. The the people who don't even use Emacs, they they use org mode for Emacs, so that that says something about it, which is uh, which is super cool. Anyway, so right, okay. awesome. <laughs> but one thing though, um, actually, tomorrow we are celebrating five years of Defan. Ooh, five yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. Feels like uh, we've been doing this forever. But um, yeah, I think May 17th, five years ago, we um, released our um, stupid show, or at least the stupid episode, <laughs> the first one. And um, and we've been, you know, going on and off <laughs> with, <laughs> with some random frequency, you know, making noises and then pushing them into the world. So uh, yeah, so happy anniversary to, um, to Defan and to, to all the people who have been listening for, for over five years for our um, constant chatter. Yeah. So, so That's this awesome. is a momentous occasion, Chris. So you know, <laughs> I'm sure you're you're privileged to be part of this um, amazing episode. <laughs> yeah, five year anniversary. I Although yeah. there, I think episode 69 was probably. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say. <laughs> well, we were we were thinking of just sticking to 69. You know? just, just just keep yeah. saying every episode is 69. 69.1, 69.2. Yeah, exactly. Like. <laughs> 69.96. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like on a repeat, yeah. but um, yeah. So we've been um, doing this for five years, which is which is awesome, and especially you know to all our all our um, guests, of course, you know like you, coming here and then you know sharing uh, awesome stuff that you guys are working on. I don't think we'd um, have got five years if it was just you and me talking. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God we gave up on that pretty quickly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we, we we ran out of the shit in one episode, so that's a good thing. <laughs> And already on the second one, we were like, hmm, what should we talk about? We have no clue. But yeah, and then here is to another another five years, I guess, of Defen. So a big uh, big thank you to you know all our Patreon um, people who are supporting us to cover the costs. And um, all the guests that appeared. And then we're going to continue you know, doing the good job or whatever the job that we're doing. You know, not necessarily good. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good job. I enjoy the thank podcast. You. All right. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, this has been a great. This has been a pretty good episode, in my opinion. One of the, one of the good ones, you know. It's uh, 
you know, sometimes it's it, the nice thing about it is that I, you know, it's always a problem when you've got like a very visual tool. So yeah. it's nice to have a bit of a rapport about the other bits and pieces that are making it, are making you excited as a, as the author and what's driving you. And I think that's one of the one of the values of the shows as well is to you know find out a bit about the people and what motivates them and what's brought them here and what's keeping them here. And uh, that's really good. Thanks very much, Chris. Yeah. yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. And um, yeah, you know, keep using Emacs. So maybe there is a chance, you know, we'll invite you again if you're still using Emacs. You know? I mean, it's really it's really nice how you can integrate like little functions that call into the Java or the JVM. Oh my so God, we're back into it again. <laughs> <laughs> and we're and now to the Emacs podcast. I can't take five fucking years of this, that's for sure. <laughs> cursive is cool too. Okay, right? Cursive is cool. I like cursive. They have cool colors. Don't panda. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get back on in the future. You gotta do a little bit. Anyway, that's um I think that's that, that's a wrap, I guess. So uh yeah, thanks again. Thanks again, Chris, for joining. And um, you know, thanks a lot to all our um Patreons. And we are thinking of doing something with uh, with people who are on Patreon soon because there is this Twitter Spaces now. So we're thinking maybe we'll we'll arrange something on, on Twitter Spaces so we yeah. can all get uh, all of you, at least 10 people talking together. That's going to be fun, as you know. Uh, <laughs> everybody everybody talking at the same time on Twitter. Uh, but we'll we'll announce something soon on, on, on Defen, uh, on, on the usual channels. So that's it from us. This is episode number 72, five years of Defen and... <laughs> Chris, you know, taking us into portal. Thank you for listening to this episode of DefN. And the awesome vegetarian music or the track is Melon Hamburger by Pizzeri. And the show's audio is mixed by Walter Dullert. I'm pretty sure I butchered his name. Um, maybe you should insert your own name here, Dullert. Walter. If you'd like to support us, uh, please do check out our Patreon page. And you can show your appreciation to all the hard work or the lack of hard work that we're doing. And um, you can also catch up with uh, either Ray, with me, for some unexplainable reason. Uh, you want to interact with us, then uh, do check us out on Slack, Closure and Slack or Closureverse, or on Zulip, or just at us at Defen Podcast on Twitter. Enjoy your day and see you in the next episode. So let's do the intro then. Um, blah, blah, blah. What, uh, what is this? Okay. Yeah, definitely.